0: Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Holman Park Baptist Church. Well, as you heard earlier, so eloquently put by Amy and Molly in the Kids Corner, we are actually talking about Philippians chapter 3 this morning. And as you see up on the top of the right-hand screen, there is a link there that if you tap that link, you can go to the online outline of what we have at the bible.com website and it'll show all the verses and the, and the main points and just so you can follow along and if you want to go back to it later just hit the save button on the bottom of that and uh, you can save it to whatever format you're listening to so let me uh, pray just for a second god thank you so much for our worship thus far and and i fully have been so surprised and overwhelmed at how the ministry truly Happens As your Holy Spirit is here, Lord, even through this technology and through friends gathering together just to worship you and and to teach your word. And so, Lord, I pray that as we continue in our worship today, that those watching this at home or by the way of a rebroadcast, wherever they may be, the Lord, that they would be encouraged in days like today. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, the message this morning is from Philippians chapter 3. And it's entitled, Pressing On Instead of Feeling Oppressed. Pressing on instead of feeling oppressed. And I know that, that these days can get kind of crazy now, can't they? I mean, with, with all the hype and, and the true threat of this coronavirus, especially for those that, that can't handle it as well. But what I want you to see that the Apostle Paul teaches us in today's passage that we can view everything that happens to us as opportunities as opportunities for growth, that's right, even in the coronavirus, you can find ways that this could be an opportunity for growth. Now, during these tough days, we must keep a pressing on perspective. And I had a mentor friend of mine uh, named Rick Brewer, Dr. Rick Brewer now he's the, the dean, at, or not the Dean. he's the president of Louisiana College, and he always instilled in us the, the feeling of pressing on. And uh, I have adapted it in my life for many years thanks to his influence. And the thing is, is that we press on not only for our own sake, but for the sake of those around us. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you have small children at home or you have family members that need you or you have sick people that you're taking care of where when you wake up, you don't really feel like doing something, but you press on because you have to. And that's what we're talking about here, that press-on attitude that we have seen so much today about people that are just standing up and they are doing whatever they can to help others. You see, it's easy to feel like the world is getting the best of us. It's easy to feel like today's world is getting out of control, and especially thanks to uh, social distancing Uh, requirements our walls sometimes we love being in our homes but not we don't like to be shut up in our homes right i mean it's like the walls are just closing in sometimes but during these days of the pandemic of the coronavirus we can actually see this as an opportunity you see we do our best to be responsible to stay informed wash our hands and make sure we have good hygiene and stay far apart from people and and sometimes we may forget it for a while until we go to the grocery store or we see the streets that are usually crowded with traffic are now very light with traffic, and then you realize that this is not everything business as usual, that there is something going on. And this moment is a lap of a much larger race. Let me say that one more time. This moment that we are living in is a lap of a much larger race. Yes, the coronavirus will forever change how we look at flus and pandemics and and even our our healthcare workers and our first responders and our grocery store people. I was telling the guy uh, we here where we live, we can actually take our trash to a dump site that's from the county. And I told the guy, I said, "Who would have thought that your job would be a uh, necessary a uh, necessary position?" But I told him, I said, "Look, it, it's times like these when you guys and gals, even our our refuse collectors." are so important, because can you imagine what would happen if all of this trash we're generating were to uh, to pile up? See, everybody's got a job. It may not be luxurious at the time. It may not be prestigious, and you may not make a whole lot of money for it. But, in these times we press on. Those things make a difference. So that as we look at our scriptures, the first thing we see is that you must filter everything. You must filter everything through God's Word. It's almost like whatever situation you have is up here in your brain and you take God's Word and you just you filter it through it. And if you don't know how to do that, look, most Bibles you can go to the back of it and whatever you're trying to decide, there is a Word that can direct you to verses that deal with that. And if you don't know how to do that, Google it. There are some good resources online that can help you understand God's Word. And then... What we see here is that by filtering through God's Word, we need to remember that what, whatever happens means whatever happens. You see, we're all making choices and following orders that we don't necessarily like, and some we may not even agree with, but however, we do so because we respect the authorities that God has placed over us, even though we might not fully understand the reason behind them. Those who do not feel the direct impact of the pandemic that is going around might scoff at it, at it. But those who have heard, you know, the things like you tested positive for the virus can have a greater appreciation of its brevity, of its levity. Especially if you live in some of these states and these, these cities like New York that are just overrun with it. It really changes the way that you see things. But as Paul was writing this passage, there were terrible things They were happening. And the Bible teaches that we are trying to do the best we can with what God has given us. But in the time Paul was writing this, there were people that were twisting the gospel. And they were making people think if they just did the right things that they would be okay. But the truth of the matter is, folks, you can wash your hands, you can say your prayers before you go to bed at night, you can eat your vitamins, you can do all of those great things. But... We are all susceptible to this virus. And it's not about what we do. And the thing when it comes to our lives, when it comes to the sin in our lives and the penalty of sin, there is nothing we can do to remedy that. It's not about what we can do, but what Paul says, it's about what Christ has done for us. So we see in verse 1, we must be careful in these days. Verse 1 says, Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. Now, again, like I said a minute ago, whatever means whatever, whatever happens. Paul is warning us that the days are going to get more confusing. He is warning us that there are many things that will seek to attack your faith. And think of ways that your faith has been tested, maybe even recently, maybe your schedule's, are now changed. Your career path is at a halt. Your, your church, we can't even meet at church. We, ha- we have to be relegated to online services, and I'm grateful that we have those. But there is a day that will come when I will be so excited, and I know you will too, to actually be in the presence of the Lord with people that love Him and love you. Sometimes things like children's education and future, right now, everything's going to work out. But the thing is is that right now there's so much uncertainty. And how about the people that have sunk all their money into stocks and, and things like that and in investments and right now are thinking, what in the world is going to happen to my nest egg? You know, all of these things that we're so sure of, we're not so sure of anymore. And if there was ever a day that we must safeguard our faith, it is today. How do you do that? Well, Paul gives us some great insight in verses 7 and 8. So if you go down and you move to Philippians 3 verses 7 and 8, he says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. That's huge. If you pile up all of your greatest achievements and all of your rewards, I mean, I have got awards that I have received that are sitting in the floor, sitting in boxes, that in the moment they meant a lot, but in the grand scheme of things, the true value doesn't come from them. It comes from what Christ is doing in my life and doing through my life. And he says in verse 8, Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value Do you understand infinite value? That means it is priceless. The infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And it is for His sake. For His sake I have discarded everything else. Counting it all as garbage. So I could gain Christ. My friend, if your life is full of yourself and full of other stuff, you have no room for Christ. That's what Paul is teaching us. In these days where the things that once brought you pleasure and once brought you security have been minimized at the best, have not taken away, people are struggling now to find value. My friend, your value is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. A great way to feel victorious over even the worst of circumstances is knowing that your value is found not in the situation that you're in, but in the situation of who is in you, and that is Jesus Christ. Now, this does not mean that we put our head in the sand and act like everything is okay, easy peasy, I'm a Christian and nothing is going to touch me. You see, it means that even in the most trying of circumstances, we can have hope. We can choose joy. We, and joy is not, woohoo, happy, happy. Joy is choosing to be content and trusting God even in the middle of your storms. Remember, Paul could find joy. Paul found joy even when he was wrongly imprisoned for sharing the gospel. Matter of fact, he was in the jail singing hymns and songs when God broke him out by an earthquake. Go read about it. It's an awesome story. But if you are a person of faith that believes in Jesus, which most of you here are like that, then Jesus has asked You to give of yourself, to trust Him, to know that He has got this covered. And Paul is reminding us that if you are a person that believes in Jesus and have asked Him to come into your life, to forgive you of your sins, and to take control of your life, then these days are great opportunities. Great opportunities for the faith that you have to shine. Because as I've said before, the darker the days get, the brighter the light will shine of those who know Jesus Christ. And you know what? The world desperately needs hope. The world desperately needs rescuing. There are people that are really searching for meaning because they don't understand why God would allow this to happen. They don't understand why God would take People, they don't understand why some will live and some will die. And i got news for you. I don't either. But one day we will. And if the world is this crazy with God in control, I will hate to see it when he is not in control. And the Bible talks about that in Revelation, where God just basically removes his hand and says, okay, you want it, have it your way. And the, the awful things that follow that. Well, the second thing that we see in Philippians, if we look to verses 12 through 14, and and Amy and Molly did such a good job of talking about that a minute ago, we need to see opportunity over oppression. We need to see this oppression. And, and when we turn on every channel in our news feed and, and every Facebook feed and Twitter feed, and, and it's just loaded with the coronavirus, I understand we get it. It's bad. We need to follow the rules that people give us, but if you are one of those people that is listening to every broadcast, I don't know about what you watch, but most of the channels I watch, they say the same story 20 times within 30 minutes. And it's just, if, if you're doing that, I encourage you to turn the TV off for a few minutes. I encourage you to go out on your porch, open your Bible, put it up, pull it up on your smartphone app, and just take a moment to recalibrate and to remember that this oppression can be an opportunity with the proper focus. Well, how in the world does that happen? Paul tells us, and I'll tell you in just a minute, but but I have great news for you today, Christian. You can put your hand on your chest. Take a minute, do that. Put your hand on your chest. You feel it rise and fall? That is the breath coming in and out of your lungs. Take a moment and put your two fingers on the back of your wrist or, or, or feel your pulse up in your neck. You feel that? Just take a moment and do that. That's blood pumping through your veins. You see, you, you and I need to look around you and I and see not only what's happening to us, but who is within you, Christian. Listen, you and I are alive, and we are given another opportunity to experience all that God has for us. If you have a pulse, you have a purpose. And you have a purpose in these days. Philippians 3 verses 12 through 14 say, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things, that I have already reached perfection. But check this out. He says, But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on one thing. Here's here's the aha moment. But I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Then he says in verse 14, I press on. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Folks, what we see here is that this is a big cry of Paul to the church to say, do not be satisfied where you are. Keep growing. I got news for you, believer, in your faith. You may feel like that you're just kind of staying there, but there is no just staying there. Some people feel like they're floating in their faith, but like one pastor said one time, if you want to call yourself a floater, you've got to remember that if people are floating, it's because they're dead. We are either growing in our faith or we are backsliding in our faith and we are not perfect. Don't think you have to be perfect. Even the apostle Paul is saying in his word that I am not perfect, but that I am striving to become perfect as Jesus is perfect. It's because of him that I try to do my best. I must be honest, this this version or this verse really grabs me in verse 12 where he says, "I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ first possessed me." I like the way It also says in the message, it says, I'm not saying that I have it all together. And I don't. You don't. I don't have all this together, that I have made it somehow, but I am well on my way, reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me. Do not think you have to earn God's love. It's already been given to you. But you do have to reach out. You do have to clean. You have to choose joy. You have to choose hope. You have to press on in these days. You are not perfect, but you know who is Jesus. And it says in Hebrews 12, verse 2, that Jesus is not only the author. In other words, he not only wrote our faith, he is the perfecter of our faith. You don't have to be perfect because He is in the process of making us perfect. Well, when will we become perfect? When our last breath is left on this earth and our next breath is in eternity. That's when we become perfect. When these bodies of, of, of dirt and water and organs fail, we get our heavenly bodies and we become perfect as Christ is perfect. Oh, for that day. We should be growing in our faith, not being satisfied that we're good enough. Pressing on in adversity and oppression, what does it do? It strengthens our faith. When we have a gospel-centered focus. If you quit making everything in life about you and make it about Christ, you will see a flip in the script. You will see... That this, quit making the coronavirus all about you. Quit making your family all about you. Quit making your marriage all about you. Quit making your career all about you and get a bigger focus. That turns your oppressions into opportunities. Now, I don't expect that we're all going to be evangelists and go shouting from our rooftops. But at the same time, you and I have to ask ourselves... What is God trying to do through me? And what am I to do for other people? It drives us to prayer. It drives us to the Bible for directions. There are more people tuning into Facebook Live. I never dreamed that our church services would be on Facebook Live and not in our sanctuary. But there are people, some of you even in this room right now, the names that I see that are searching for something. There are church websites that are flooded Right now with people that are trying to find out why this is going on and how they can overcome it. But you see, we can see the opportunity in each day when we have the proper focus. We need to tune our ears and hearts to hear from God. We need to ask ourselves, what would Jesus have me do in this situation I remember years ago, the bracelets were very popular. The WWJD bracelets. Remember what they said? What would Jesus do? I've got news for you. I ain't Jesus. Sorry for my English. I'm not Jesus. I can't do what Jesus would do. But I can try my best to follow his example. I can do my best in his strength. To do whatever he wants me to do. So we have to remember our focus. Think about it. Right now. I mean. As I've gotten older. I've had to use these glasses. I can't see computers. And phones very good anymore. I can see far. That's fine. But if I want to be able to talk to you. And see my notes. I got to put these on. So everything that I see. Is through these glasses. This is my focus. And so. If these glasses are not powerful enough. Or if they get a crack in them or if my eyesight changes from what I need, then I'm not going to see the world correctly. My friend, if you do not see the world correctly with a gospel focus of Jesus Christ, you are not seeing your world correctly. If you look at the second half of verse 13 and 14, it says, but I focus on this one thing. And we said it a moment ago, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for God, for which God through Jesus Christ is calling us. Folks, we need to forget the past. How in the world do you forget the past? Why is it that we can forget some things about our past and not others? <laughs> I, I think back. All you got to do is look back through old yearbooks and look at your hairstyles and the things that you wore. Shoot, some of that stuff's coming back. But uh, who would ever think mullets and ash and washed jeans would be cool again? Maybe they are, maybe they're not, I don't know. But when I, look, when I look back at some of those photos, I'm like, dude, no, no, don't do that. I remember back when I was in middle school, I thought I'd be cool to have a, a faux hawk. Now, a faux hawk on a redheaded kid is not cool. So here's a pudgy little redheaded kid running around middle school with a big old strip. They said, hey, look, there's a rooster. That was not what I was going for. It's not that funny, Andy. <laughs> I got some folks in here. It is, it is pretty funny. If anybody sees this and was in school with me, you'll know what I'm talking about. So here I look like a big plump rooster walking down the, walking down the hall. And I think about those things. It doesn't, it doesn't scar me. It doesn't hurt me. And I'm sure you have made some, some mistakes in your lives too. That, that it's not a big deal but you can remember them and luckily laugh at them. But there are some things in my past that I cannot laugh at. There are some things that hurt and cut very deeply. But the thing is, I don't dwell on those things because every one of those things are covered in the blood of Jesus when I ask for him to forgive me of my sins. And the same thing can happen to you. Think about Paul who says, forgetting the past and looking forward. He is a a man that persecuted Christians and very likely was present at the first martyr, Stephen, in the book of Acts. And so if a man who kills Christians can say this. I think he knows what he's talking about. We don't need to be satisfied. We need to keep growing. And Paul is saying that even though we will not achieve perfection, it does not keep him from trying. Then we see that we should be growing in our faith, not being satisfied, not being strong enough. I said that a moment ago. Looking forward and remember that Jesus has dealt with your past. Look, if you are a Christian, Jesus has dealt with the past. Don't keep going back there, even though the devil wants you to. And if you are not a believer watching this, the way that you do move past your past is for Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to come into your life as your Savior and Lord. And then those things that happened in the past are covered, and now they become tools to help you and others in your present and in your future. That's another sermon for another time. But when you think about bad choices and painful memories of your past, remember that Jesus has forgiven them all. And there is no benefit in letting any one of them hold you back. The only way to see where you're going, folks, is not to turn your car around and drive in reverse to the rearview mirror. If you can try that, you'll probably get pulled over. But the truth of the matter is we don't drive with the rearview mirror. We drive looking at the windshield. So, when you think about those bad choices, remember that that's the devil trying to bring those back up. What type of attitude would Paul have if he held on to the garbage and the luggage that he had from where he was before he met Jesus Christ? To what lies ahead? Proverbs 16.9 says, We can make plans, but the Lord determines our steps. What lies ahead? I'm going to go ahead and tell you what lies ahead. There will be another coronavirus. There will be more wars. There will be more stock plunges. There will be more stock increases. There will be another election. There will be another president. There will be all of these different things that are going to keep moving on. That is just a life that we live in. But you know what also is going to go on? God's faithfulness. And he is never going to leave you behind. So Paul says we press on to the race. This is a race that we have not no choice and participating in there was a church fellowship one time and and the director was trying to get everybody to interact so he said we're going to have a contest we're going to have a contest to see who can make the funniest face and then so everybody started making their funniest faces and about after about five or ten minutes everybody was laughing and taking photos and snapping selfies and all that kind of stuff so by the time the party ended the host went over and gave it to this lady and she said what is this And he said, this is the prize for the funniest face. And she said, but I wasn't even playing. (laughs) And he said, but you won anyway. And the truth of the matter is, is that there is a race that is being ran right now. The clock is ticking. The the starter's pistol has shot off. And people are running. And some people, like you and I, are doing the best we can to stay on pace. But there are some people that don't realize the race has started. And there are many believers, maybe even some today, watching this. That have stopped running. Let me give you an encouragement. In verses 20 and 21. The prize is worth the wait. The prize is worth the wait. Before I read that scripture. When I was putting this together. I remembered when I first started driving. My parents bought a car for me. And I was going to keep the insurance on it. Now. Don't get excited and don't think, man, he was spoiled. It was a Chevrolet Monza. Uh, Google that and you will see that that is not a... I was grateful for it, but it wasn't like a Trans Am, a a Camaro at the time, or all those other things that people were getting. But yeah, I had to work for the insurance. But I remember, I had the car sitting in the driveway, but I didn't have my license yet. And so that would be a good incentive for me to do my chores, to mind my parents. And, you know, I'd go out there and I'd start the car up and "Room, room," room gas and... And get all my station presets and, and I already had my, and I'm gonna date myself, I had my cassette tape ready for what I was gonna play when I took my first maiden voyage by myself. Well, guess what happened? One day, I got my driver's license. And I can remember rolling those two windows down and cruising down Highway 9 with the wind going through my, my hair. I looked like a dog hanging out the window with his tail flapping, I mean his tongue flapping in the breeze. I was happy. But it only lasted for about, what, a week, a month? Now, every now and then, I do get excited when I drive, but not too excited to break the speed limit. But I do get excited, but that initial rush of driving kind of wore off because I realized now that I drive, I could run errands, <laughs> I could get friends rides, I could go to a job to have to support myself to get the insurance and all of a sudden the thrill was gone. And now I'm, you know, these many years later I'm just driving. Was it worth the wait? In that moment, yes. But I'm going to tell you what is worth the wait is what Paul talks about. He says in verse 20, "But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. We are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior." He will take our weak, mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. Folks, we need to remember that it does, for lack of a better term, it does get better. This is not our home. We are not, this is not our homeland. We are citizens of heaven. That is where our ultimate address is. That's why we feel so out of kilter in this world, but it will get better. So we need to see these opportunities or these times not as oppression, but as opportunities. And one last thing I want to say before we leave is that he talks about as we eagerly await this. I want to let you know that waiting is not just sitting around doing nothing and eating little Debbie cakes and drinking cokes and watching your favorite television program. When he says actively waiting, it means that when we wait, it's not that we are resting or not doing anything. It means that we are anticipating Jesus' return. We are anxiously busy preparing ourselves and doing what Jesus has called us to do for him to get back. I remember when I was a kid and I could barely walk, but I could hold on to the screen door and watch my dad drive down the road to come home after being on the road for a couple of days. Now, excited how I was anticipating him coming in. And that's, you multiply that by a million. That's what I'm looking for when I get to heaven. And I know you are too. This means that we are looking for, anxiously anticipating, Jesus' return. That we are anxiously awaiting that. And that we will take our prayer and Bible study more seriously. That we will take leading our families in the pursuit of spiritual truth. More seriously, i got news for you. If you are a parent or you're a grandparent and you have families, on the end day when uh, you are before the Lord, God's not going to say, well, your pastor should have done more. Yes, we will be accountable for how we lead. But the spiritual leader in the family is the parents. And so we are here to help you and to coach you. And I wish more parents would take that seriously. Just like when a groom waits for his bride to appear and walk down the aisle, we look forward to heaven with anticipation. And the thing is, i got news for you. Everybody doesn't get the trophy. If you do not accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you will not gain heaven. God does not spoon-feed this. God does not give everybody an A. <laughs> I remember one time when I was in uh, children's, not children's church, but elementary school. That's the word I'm looking for. And uh, we had, I was in Virginia and I, I did a scrapbook on Virginia and I got it back and I think I got like a B or a C and I was grateful for it but my mom was upset because she thought she deserved better because she did most of the work. And the thing is is that we might be graded here in one way. But we will be graded in eternity. So as I close this morning, just remember as verse 21 says, we will be transformed. We will take these mortal bodies and change to our glorious bodies that Jesus has for us. They will be newly resurrected just as Jesus resurrected from the dead. And we will be with our Creator without sin, without death, without guilt, without cancer, without viruses, and without anxiety. So because Jesus sacrificed for our sins, like Paul, we can Press on instead of feeling oppressed. I will close by reading this verse one more time. Verses 13 and 14. But I'll focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us. For God is calling you today to press on. Will you answer? I would like to encourage you even in this moment if you do not know Jesus Christ accept Him if you do not have a church you can be a part of our church body even here you can become baptized just let us know just send us a message just say I pray to receive Christ during the, the cast or the broadcast of this and I want to become a member I want to be baptized or maybe you have a prayer need if you send a message it goes right to me God can use this for his glory. Pray with me. God, thank you so much for this time together. And if there's anyone here that needs to accept you, may they do that in this moment. They no longer need to be overwhelmed. They no longer need to be worried. Because, Lord, you can save them from themselves and their sin. And if there's a believer that's encouraged, needs to be encouraged, may they be encouraged today with his broadcasting amen well that is our invitation and it it still continues even after this just leave a message a comment or you can go to our website and see how to email me Uh, I will respond to those and also some of you have asked about giving Um, on our Facebook page there is a link to uh, be able to give online if you want to do that that way and then as we close I'm going to ask my buddy here Blake Fortner he is our youth pastor I've asked him to come and close us in prayer. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much to our singers and to Molly and to Amy for putting this together. And uh, this is greater than anything I could have imagined. And I pray that the Lord has uh, has spoke to you. So Blake is going to pray, and then uh, I'll come back and just kind of go through the comments here for a second, and then we'll be gone. So Blake, why don't you pray for us?
1: Let's pray. Lord, we we'll just thank you for another day. Thank you for letting us uh, be able to have this technology just to be able to come and uh, just learn more about you. And dear Lord, uh, just uh, let us take this message and uh, just let us put all this cloudiness about the virus and any other sins or any other thing we have in our lives, just let us put it aside and just let us uh, just let us focus on you and uh, give us the opportunity to uh, spend more time with our families and be able to tell them more about you and be able to just... Uh, uh, spend time answering the questions that uh, any of our family have about you. And dear Lord, just uh, thank you again for giving us this opportunity. And uh, just help us as we're about to start a new week. Help people that may not be, have made, been laid off from jobs and may be looking for one. Just, uh, just help provide them through this time and uh, just give them what they need to uh, live for you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you, Blake. Okay, it's good to see everybody here. If you tuned in late and didn't catch the beginning of it, this will be available on our Facebook page later and on YouTube. There is actually a children's message and craft that you can do with your kids. It will give you something to do. All you need is stuff to color with and a piece of paper. I appreciate so much them putting that together. And I see so many people on our feed here that have come in. It's so good to see everybody. Let's see, we've got Sandy and Andrea. I hope my man Connor is watching us. If you're watching Connor, hey buddy. Uh, Melanie McLeese Hutchins, hey. Angie, know that you guys are watching. Daniel, hey. Welcome to this end of the town, man. Uh, Robbie, good to see you, my friend. Uh, we are praying for your family member that was uh, that was lost, and so uh, so sorry to see that, but we are thinking about you. Larry and Linda are watching, Deborah Forrester, Angie again, Ellen Christensen, hey, give Ross a pat on the back for me, if you will, Janie Ball-Hanks, hey, how are y'all doing? Miss Sherry Partain is here, and uh, so good to see Sherry, and we have... Nana Faye is watching. Hey, Nana Faye. Uh, Miss Jerry Thrasher. Thomas Keaton joined. Woo! Good job, buddy. And hey, there's Jody. Hey, Jody, good morning. Then we have Miss Bobby. You go, Miss Bobby, with your technology. Kaylee Turner. Hey, girl. Good to see you. Hope you and your family are doing well. Gary Bryant. Hey, how do you like my top end? I really appreciate you giving me that. That was actually a gift from... His brother used to be on the fire department in Anderson Fire, and uh, so grateful for him giving me this and trusting me with it. There's Matthew Franks and Jimmy Turner. Uh, my wife is joined, and she's also here. And uh, Debbie Thrasher's Matthews, Anna. Hey, Anna, uh, if you and your boys are watching, hey to them too. Uh, Chuck, hey buddy, how you doing? Chuck Autry. Kelly, Katie Hansen, Katie with two eyes. How you doing, girl? uh, Donna Eskew, you've been tuning in to us, I really appreciate it, uh, Elizabeth, hey girl, good to see you, I hope Jason's ankle is doing well, uh, Marion Roach, hey, hey Marion, how are you, Colby Burnett, man, good to check you out, uh, let's see, and also, Chuck, you say Brittany and Peggy are watching too, cool, cool, how's my buddy Brittany doing, uh, then we see, uh, Sandy and her clan, Woo, man, if we were keeping attendance, we would be busting it, just with her family alone. Good to see you all. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, you tell Adam if he ever wants to FaceTime with me, just pick up you or your husband's phone, and I'll gladly FaceTime with him. I like my little buddy. Uh, Kitty Porter, hey, good to see you. And uh, Reba Gettings. Keep Jerry and me in your prayers. Love you all. I miss you all too. Well, honey, I promise you we have been praying for you all. And uh, if you left the message I didn't see it, I am sorry, but I I scrolled everything that I could see here. And again, if you watch this uh, on a rebroadcast, I encourage you to uh, get in touch with us through our Facebook page. If you watched it with me right now, I encourage you to forward it to somebody else when it becomes available. So thank you for worshiping with us, and I'll be back here again Wednesday night as we continue our Bible study in Samson. Thank you, and God bless you. Bye, everybody.